And the reading today is from Philippians, which is up on the screens, Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now that I've already obtained, not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Hey, how are we? Please keep that passage open. I'm going to pray uh, that God will bless our time in his word. Will you join with me? Father God, thank you for this morning. Uh, Thank you that you've gathered us together. Thank you for all the different stories uh, in this room and people at different stages in life. We ask this morning that we uh, would be united uh, in hearing your word clearly. Please help my words uh, to be clear and helpful. Please give to each of us humble and teachable hearts that we would not miss the joy that is in Jesus but would know him more and more and grow in him more and more. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, friends, we're in the uh, second week of our three-week mission series, uh, Jesus for Life, where we're looking at what makes us tick as a church, uh, why we strive to do life in the way that we do. Um, And last week, there's uh, our mission statement, inspired by God's grace to know and love him more, serving, speaking and living for Jesus in all we do. Uh, Last week, we looked at grace. Uh, Today, we're looking at growing. Uh, And then next week, we'll look at serving, speaking, living in one session. Uh, There's a number of ways we could do growing. 
uh, we could give you a whole bunch of tips, five tips for uh, making sure you grow this year, five ways to grow this year. Uh, we could say, look, community groups uh, are signing up uh, this week. Make sure you sign up for a community group on the deck. Uh, we sent out a Bible reading plan in the weekly email, and it will be in this week's weekly email, the uh, five by five by five, which uh, is a very simple way to get into Bible reading if you haven't been doing that. Uh, read the Bible five minutes a day for five days a week and find uh, and five ways to go deeper in God's Word. So, so there's two ways. Sign up for a community group, Bible reading plan, uh, pray for opportunities to share Jesus with others, uh, find a way to serve others and open up something of your life to others. Um, we could do that. That's, that's five ways to grow this year and, and that would be helpful. Uh, those things are helpful, but it's not quite what we need because uh, growing in Jesus is deeper than that. And, and to set it up uh, this morning, I want to tell you a story. Uh, and because it's a uh, week on growing, and because we're Australians, uh, it's a story about one of my most embarrassing moments. Um, an epic fail, if you like. Um, now, it's my first driving lesson. Uh, now, some of you have, I think, perhaps heard this story before, and that's okay. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to laugh at my expense all over again. So, uh, let's do it. Um, my, my first driving lesson, I was learning to drive on a manual car, uh, and uh, so I got in the car and the uh, instructor said, okay, uh, put the clutch down, uh, into gear. Uh, now, uh, just going to bring the clutch up a little bit and, and accelerate a bit and then the engine engaged and we're off and rolling. No, none, no bunny, bunny, bunny hop. Um, and, and we're heading off down the street uh, and we, he said, we're going to turn left at this intersection. So turn left and, and that was fine. Went down the hill, uh, came to a roundabout and the instructor said, okay, James, at this roundabout, uh, we're going to turn right. Um, and that's where it went horribly wrong. Uh, somewhere in the midst of uh, slowing down for the roundabout and managing the clutch and accelerator and putting the indicator on and giving way to traffic coming into the intersection and turning the steering wheel, I got all mixed up and confused and I managed to stall the car on top of the roundabout. <laughs> so you just picture that, not, not in the intersection, not on the side of the intersection, but on top of the roundabout, uh, we're sitting there in the car and, and people are driving through the roundabout. Just <laughs> look, at, look at that. And, and what made it worse uh, was that it was two doors down from a girl that I was very keen on at the time, Katie. Uh, and she never did go out with me. Um, maybe she said, oh, I'm never getting in a car with that guy. He's just not safe. Uh, now, the reason I tell you that story is that it's a picture, a little picture of life following Jesus. Um, maybe for you it's that you've been a Christian for a while and as you've headed into 2015 um, you you said I really want to grow this year so community group, Bible reading plan, serving I'm going to do that, I'm going to get into that this year and then as the year goes along this thing happens to you called life and you get busier and those plans for growing just kind of get swallowed up and they just become another thing on your ever-growing to-do list and so it feels very much like you've moved from the grace into the grind. Or maybe it's that you became a Christian later in life, as a young adult or an adult, or maybe in the last year. And you started this new and exciting thing that the grace of God was so exciting, that God was so generous and kind, and, and then you felt like you hit the period where the honeymoon was over. And if that's you, that, that's okay. Um, it, it's very common. Don't think there's anything wrong with you. And, and so you discover that there was this grind that had needed to happen, this work that you, you, you needed to get involved in on your life. Things needed to change, things you needed to wrestle with. And so it felt very much like you'd moved from grace into the grind. So is that how it is? 
in the Christian life? Is that how it is? That the grace of God is wonderful and exciting, that God loves us, God rescues us, God blesses us, but then it's up to us to grind through. When I'd been a Christian only a little while, uh, someone gave me this book by Jerry Bridges called Transforming Grace. I uh, see a very nice old cover there. Uh, and, but 15 or so years ago, um, I, I remember reading it and I still remember a couple of the things from it. It was so helpful. Um, Bridges puts his finger on something that often people following Jesus feel like that they're saved by grace, uh, but then they have to live by works. That, that it's kind of like God gets you on the train to heaven, but that you need to stay on the train. It's up to you to grind through and make sure you stay on the train and that you grow on the train. And, and Bridges says, no, that's not, not how it is. The Bible doesn't teach that. He says, the Bible teaches that we are not only saved by grace, but we live by grace every day of our lives. Do you see that? That grace fills up our lives, every part of our lives. God gets us on the train. God keeps us on the train. God grows us and sustains us and transforms us on the train. And so the Apostle Peter, near the end of his ministry, possibly the last thing he wrote, says this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Grace and growing aren't separate things. They're not moved from one to the other, but we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So when we say in our mission statement that grace undergirds everything, that everything, serving, growing, living, speaking, that that flows out of grace, that's not a, a cheap line. It's not a, a great soundbite. It's true. It, it's life. It's Jesus for life. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, many people get that and, and understand that, but then they might say, Look, I'm, I'm happy not to grow. I'm happy not to grow. Now, we wouldn't put it quite like that. We, we wouldn't put it that way. We might say something like, look, I'm, I'm here most Sundays. I've signed up for a roster. I quite like community group. I think I'll sign up again this year, and I'm happy with that. Or, or I might say, look, I've just got a very simple faith. You know, trust in Jesus, that's the main thing, right? Or, or they might say, what I re- really need right now is just a very stable same, same kind of faith. Well, let's look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. Now, if you're uh, newer with us and you're newer to the Bible, um, that's totally fine. Uh, in fact, there's some really exciting discoveries uh, before you as you read more. But just to bring you up to speed uh, on the book of Philippians, uh, it was written by the Apostle Paul, uh, which simply means that he was chosen and sent by Jesus to plant churches to preach uh, the good news of Jesus. And that's what he did with his life. Uh, and he ended up in prison. As he writes Philippians, he's in prison for preaching Jesus. And he writes to this church in Philippi, which is modern Macedonia today. Um, let's look at verse 12 to 14 that we read before. Now, as I read that, I want you to ask yourself, is the language active or passive? Is it let's hook in, let's get stuck in, or is it let's sit back? Let's see. Not, only is, not, only, not that I've already obtained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So which one is it? Is it active or passive? 
get stuck in, let's hook in, or sit back. It's active, isn't it? Get stuck in, let's keep moving. And so to those who would say, I'm, I'm happy not to grow, I'm happy to just sit where I am, Paul in this chapter has a hard word and a gentle word. First the hard word, verse 15 He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things that want to keep on growing, as he's just said. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Paul says there that a sign of maturity, of growing, is that you want to keep on growing. You don't want to just sit where you are. And then the reverse is true, that if anyone says, I'm happy not to grow, I'm happy just to sit where I am, Paul would say, that's immature. That's spiritually immature. That's a hard word, isn't it? And so immediately we're thinking, what about the broken? What about church being a place where it's okay to not be okay? Yes, amen. We'll get to that. But here, to those who would say, I, I, I don't want to grow, Paul would say that's immature. And then there's the gentle word. Have a look down at chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Did you see the the love and concern there? You can imagine him sweating as he writes the letter, the the tears in his prayers, the, the concern for them as he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, again verse 18, For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. You see, he's concerned for people. The hard word and the gentle word come from that love and concern for people to grow and to know Jesus. Now, the staff here at Norwest Anglican Church love being on staff. Really. It's one of our greatest joys to serve amongst you. Um, you'd only have to listen to the prayers of thanksgiving at staff meeting every Tuesday morning as we thank God for what he's doing amongst us all. And our hope and, and prayer for us always, for you always, is that you keep on growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we as a church would be ruined for ho-hum Sunday church attendance. That we'd be ruined for just middle-class, polite Anglicanism. That we'd be ruined for safe Western Christianity. That we would know Jesus more and flourish more and more in serving in him. And so many here would say, yes, I want to grow. That's why I'm here on Sundays. That's why I'm not at home with a coffee and the paper. That's why as a family we did that crazy thing on Sunday mornings where we get the kids out of bed, we kind of give them some sort of breakfast and a bit of it ends on the floor and we'll we'll clear that up when we get home. That that can wait for us. And and we get in the car and we get to the car park and and we find a spot and then we come all the way up the driveway and we sign kids in the program and then we get in here by the third song or maybe the sermon if it's not a good Sunday and and we're here. (laughs) We, We made it. That's why we're here to grow. But I'm just not sure whether I'll stack up. I'm worried that I'm not going to be one of those so-called super-growing Christians. Here's the thing about so-called growing Christians. You know those ones that we look to, the missionaries overseas, like the sheets on our mission banner this morning? Or you look at community group leaders? Or maybe it's that person that when you're sitting here on a Sunday and you look over and you think, hmm, they've really got it together. I wish I could be like them. 
those so-called super-growing Christians. Here's the thing about them. If you talk to them, they wouldn't call themselves that. They'd be like everyone else. They're aware of their own brokenness and their struggles. There are no so-called super-growing Christians. And you see it in Paul here. Because remember where he was when he wrote this letter? Was he kicking back on the beach at Noosa? Was he on a cruise around the Greek islands? Was he travelling the world as a celebrity megachurch pastor speaking at conferences? No. He was in prison, a dirty, smelly, grimy prison. And so he could have been tempted just to check out. I'm done. I'm done. But look at again what he says, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, my, my goal. Not that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's encouraging, isn't it? Like in the ranking of so-called super-growing Christians, Paul would be right up there. Aside from Jesus, he's the model, isn't he? By the time he wrote this letter, he'd been a Christian maybe for around 30 years. He was the world's greatest missionary. He'd planted churches all over the place. He'd preached to all sorts of different situations. He'd been beaten and thrown in prison. He'd persevered through that. He'd written massive chunks of the New Testament, which is a great line to have on your CV, isn't it? Or a line at a party. I mean, how many of us could say, hold up the Bible and say, you, you might want to read some stuff that I wrote. You know, it's in here. Just have a look. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? And yet Paul says, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I haven't reached. No, I'm still growing. I still want to grow. Friends, that's what it looks like to grow. Not perfection, but progress. Not, not I've arrived, but progress. And now don't confuse that with a lack of contentment. Don't think that Paul's saying you've got to be one of those people that's never happy. Always want more money, a bigger house, better career, better car, better spouse, better kids. I'm, I'm never happy. No, because the difference with following Jesus is that growth is not, the goal is, is not a thing. It's not a status. It's not a list of achievements that you can frame and put on the wall and say, look what I did. Look what I've achieved. No, the goal of growing is Jesus. Have a look how he says at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or already arrived at my goal. What's his goal? Look back to verse 10. I want to know Christ. That's the goal, to know Jesus. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, what does all that mean? In kind of everyday terms, Paul's saying, I want to know Jesus, whatever it takes. I want to know him more, whatever it costs, whatever it means. That's what I want. I want to know Jesus more and more. Do you think it's possible that there might be some sitting in the room here right now thinking, you know what, I'm not sure I'm in for that. Like, I I like Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, I want to grow, but I'm not sure I'm in for whatever it takes, whatever it costs, whatever it means. Do, Do you think there might be some people in the room thinking that? Yes! That's all of us, isn't it? That we feel that tension inside all of us. We want to grow in Jesus, but at the same time, we're not sure if we want it, no matter what it takes. So let's remind ourselves, friends, of who Jesus is that we want to know. Look down at verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control 
will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Who is Jesus? Verse 20, our saviour. He rescued us. Verse 20, he's our king, our lord, our leader, our protector. Verse 21, he has the power to bring all things under his control. And what's he going to do with that power? One of the things he's going to do with that power is he's going to transform our lowly, frail bodies to be like his glorious body. Let me get tired of hearing that. Friends, do you know that means no slightly dodgy hamstrings, a rolled ankle, no plantar fasciitis, no shin splints, no depression, no anxiety, no addiction, no blood pressure or cholesterol issues, no slightly dodgy heart, no cancer, no death. And that thing that you fear most about death, the thing that you fear losing the most, when Jesus returns, we'll get all that back a millionfold. That we, when Jesus returns, will live and laugh and celebrate and worship and think and feel and touch like we could never have imagined. So what a joy to know that Jesus more and more. But there's more. <laughs> Verse 12 Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He took hold of us. Now, when you hear take hold, don't think of uh, like being arrested or seized. Think of take hold as a parent who sees a toddler uh, about to run out onto a busy road and runs and takes hold of them and sweeps them up in hugs and kisses. Or, Or think of take hold like... A friend who takes hold of you when your life is a mess and you don't know what to do and they take hold of you and they help you get things back on track. Think of take hold like that. Jesus took hold of us to save us, to rescue us, to transform us. So friends, what a joy to know him more and more. Amen? So how do I know if I'm growing? Well, it's not about perfection, it's progress. Well, how do I know if I'm making progress? I want to finish today with three signs of growing. They're not the only signs, but I think helpful ones. Um, And I've built in a bit of class participation here. On your outline or the slide, there will be a blank that you need to fill in. Just so you're paying attention, eh? How do I know I'm growing? Not anti-life, but... See, sometimes when people get that Jesus is not a hobby, uh, they think, well, does that mean that I sort of check out of life? I become a hermit. No more friends. I can't have any more fun. No, look down at verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, the key point there is that because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Or in older translations, it used to say, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul, Paul's not saying that nothing else matters, nothing's important in life, but that compared to Jesus, they'll always look lesser. Compared to Jesus, they always look lesser. How do I know if I'm growing? Not anti-life, but seeing that Jesus is always better. Uh, our second child, Harry, when uh, a few years ago when he was about five, was trying to process all this in his head in the way that a toddler does. Um, and we talked to him about 
having Jesus at the centre of your world and Jesus is number one. And, and we're in the car one time and he gave us one of those moments as a parent where you think, yeah, we're not doing too badly. You know, they're rare, right, as parents, um, but you, you grab hold of them for all you're worth. Uh, and he said, I love Jesus more than my friend Narin. Now, if you know Harry and Narin, that's a big call. Like on the first day of preschool, they were best friends. And they've already had the conversation about being best friends for life, uh, which is a classic as a five-year-old. Uh, we've planned out friendship for life. So, so Harry's not saying, I don't like Narin, I don't want to know Narin, he's not my friend anymore. He's saying, no, no, he's, he's my friend, we're going to be best friends for life. But compared to Jesus, it's always lesser. And so he says, I love Jesus more than my friend Narin. See, growing is not becoming anti-life or a hermit, but seeing that Jesus is always better. So you still live and laugh and enjoy, but see that Jesus is always better. And in fact, that'll help us enjoy life more because those things that we enjoy, we'll stop crushing them with the weight of our expectations and we'll just be able to enjoy them. That's a whole other sermon. Second way that you know that you're growing. You get that it's okay to not be okay. But, see, one of our hopes as a church is that this place would always be a place where it's okay to not be okay. You have to put on a pretense and pretend that you've got it all together, but just be real and and we're all broken, we're all growing, we're all works in progress. As Pete said last week, Christians should be uh, some of the most humble people in the world, the most humble people in the world. But we don't want to stay there. Have a look at verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Yes, we're humble. We know that it's okay to not be okay, and we never cease to be humble, but we don't want to stay in our brokenness. We want to stay just the same. We want to grow. See, sometimes in church life, uh, you meet people who are wonderfully converted, they love Jesus, it's, it's amazing, and yet there seems to be a whole part of their life that remains unchallenged. Uh, maybe it's the way that they speak to people. Maybe it's a resistance to really hook in and be involved. Maybe it's the way in which they use their money. Maybe it's the way uh, they have an unresolved conflict. They just won't ask for forgiveness or they won't give forgiveness. Maybe it's, it's a shame about something that happened in the past. And, and that thing, whatever, whatever it is, remains unchallenged, untouched. It, it's kind of like they're saying, I'm just always going to be like that. It's just the way I am. But a sign that you're growing is that you get that it's, not, it's okay to not be okay, but you don't want to stay there. And then final way that we know that we're growing. What does it mean to grow? I can't imagine heaven without. So let's do that. Let's do a little exercise here. Let's imagine heaven. Picture it in your mind. If you want to close your eyes that's, and that's helpful, if it's not helpful, then don't close your eyes. What do, what do you imagine heaven would be like? Rolling fields? A stream flowing through the centre? Fishing? Hiking? A log cabin? Maybe a resort? No more death, no more brokenness, no more unreconciled relationships, no more sickness. Perfect health, perfect relationships, and not a kind of dull perfection, but a really rich, delightful perfection. Have you got something in your mind? Now, let me ask you, as you've imagined heaven, 
Was Jesus there? Was Jesus there? As you've got that picture of perfection, was Jesus there? And if he was there, was he at the centre or was he sort of somewhere on the side, number 10 on your list of perfection? Now, I, I say all that not to feel like I tricked you or to feel bad, but to help us grasp what Philippians 3 is talking about, what Paul is talking about, that when we know Jesus more and more, it, it means that we can't imagine heaven without Jesus at the centre. That we less and less see Jesus as just the ticket into heaven. Less and less seek heaven as the goal and more and more recognise that Jesus is the goal. So that we can't imagine heaven without Jesus. We don't want to be there if he's not there. It can't be perfection without Jesus. Well, friends, growing is not about ticking boxes and signing up the stuff in February. People who know Jesus, find ways to grow. We provide lots of ways at Norwest, community groups, Bible reading plans, ways to serve, training. And people who love Jesus find many more ways to grow. And my hope for us this morning is that God has stirred in us a hunger and a desire to keep growing. But you might not know what to do with that. You might not know where to go with that desire. And we'd love to serve you with that. So first port of call, I'll be out on the deck at morning tea. I'd love to chat with you more about it. You might also want to use one of the welcome cards to say, I want to grow. Help me to grow. And, and one of our staff would love to meet up and, and serve you and, and learn together in that. Friends, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What a joy to know him more and more. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came, he died, he rose, that he rules and he will return. Thank you that he took hold of us, that he rescued us and that he will return and transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Lord, we confess that very often we are double-minded about this. We like Jesus, we want to know Jesus, but we're not sure if we want to know him, whatever it takes, whatever it costs us. So please transform and Soften our fickle hearts that are prone to wander and leave the God that we love. Bind our hearts to you by your word that we would delight in knowing Jesus more and more. Please give us a year where we grow in our delight and love for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.